I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. The droids are clean, the vaporizers are patched, and the speeders fueled. It's time to pick up some blue milk and power converters. You're listening to Toshi Station Radio, brought to you by the Majestic Giraffe Network. Now here are your hosts for the Snarkist Podcast in Star Wars and Geek Culture, Brian and Nancy. From the outskirts of Anchorhead and on the shores of the Great Shot Flats, you're listening to Tashi Station Radio, the bright center in the universe for all things Star Wars and geek culture. I'm your host, Brian, and with me, as always, is my co-host and wife, Nancy. Hello! On today's episode, we're catching up on Rebels and breaking out down the diversity in The Force Awakens. We're about to get started, so sit back, grab some power converters, and enjoy the show! Uh, Tashi Station Radio is brought to you in part by uh, you, our Patreon subscribers, Click the link at Tashi-Station.net to figure out how you can support us and gain some access to some really cool insider content available only to our Patreon subscribers. And we're also brought to you in part by Her Universe. Flaunt your world with Star Wars, Star Trek, Marvel, Transformers, Doctor Who, and other fandom-inspired wardrobe and jewelry. Click the link on our blog to purchase awesome geek gear and keep the lights running on the podcast. Awesome. So, hey... We're changing up the order this week because we figured out that, you know, it doesn't make sense to talk about what's new on the blog before the things that we've been up to because we no. cribbed this from another show that we really like. So we're going to crib them again. Well, no, I mean, it just makes sense more to talk about us before we talk about the blog. Because we're vain. We're so vain. We probably think this song is about us. No, just because usually we end up talking about stuff that we did on the blog. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so Nancy, it's Fix or Slash. Uh-huh. What have you been up to? Um, I finished, uh, the second book in the Vorkosigan series. Well, not the second book, but the second book I have read in the Vorkosigan series, Berear, um, by Lois McMaster Bujold. And I absolutely loved it. I loved every page, every word. It's, you know, shot up to one of my top books of all time list. And, um, the main character is amazing. Um, she's every bit as awesome as everyone said she was. And there's a scene that is absolutely incredibly fantastic at the end of the book. Uh, everyone who's read it will know what I mean when I say shopping. And I am very <laughs> excited to read the rest of the books. Um, I think I'm going to read one of the Miles books and then skip ahead to the book that just recently came out because I would like to read more Cordelia. Um, and I'm also currently reading Ancillary Justice. Our. Which is our book pick for our book club for the month of March. And again, if you want more information on the Tashi Station book club, you can go to Tashi-Station.net and there in the masthead is a little button that you can click that says book club, which will take you to our Goodreads page. Yeah. And where you can join us in our book club, which is all about reading science fiction and fantasy novels from women, minority, and LGBTQ plus writers. Yes. Uh, basically, I wanted to read more sci-fi books this year, so I decided I, and I was going to do a book club. And if people want to read with me, so they can. So it's some incentive for yeah. you. Yeah. I so I get to discuss with and people. And I will be joining in on reading Ancillary Justice shortly. I am almost done with the second book of The Expanse. Ooh, yeah. we I'll will talk n- about more, we will, more of that in a second. We will not be reading The Expanse because it's written by white dudes. But Two white dudes. <laughs> Two white dudes. Well, some, there are some great uh, women and minority yes. characters in there as well. And, and I, I will be reading books by, you know, white dudes this year, just not as part of the book club. But anyway, I'm reading Ancillary Justice. I'm about... 30% of the way through it, a little bit more than that. Um, it is very good. It's very sci-fi. I Very space opera. Um, it's just, it's very, very, very different. And I can understand why so many people liked it and why it won the Hugo. <laughs> I think it won the Hugo. At least uh, I know. Yes, it did. Ancillary, it, was, it was nominated. Ancillary Justice did win the Hugo. And from everything I've read, it was totally deserving of its Hugo win. Yes. And I... Um, Especially because it was her debut, which is amazing. Uh, so I will probably end up reading the second two books eventually. I don't know if I'm going to go right into it, but I will definitely read them. So today's lesson is Anne Leckie is awesome. Yep. 
Um, also, I'm frantically revising a book right now. I was writing one, but I put it aside because I decided I wanted to go back and revise this book while I was thinking about it a lot. I am really excited for people to see this book in particular you're writing. Well, that probably will be a while. It, it may, Hopefully it will be a while. It may be, but uh, I, I feel like it doesn't give away too much to say you do some very stylistically interesting things with this book. I do. Yeah, you go from third person past tense to third person present. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. It divided into a then and now. Yeah. So yeah, I, I like that. It I've read the book. It's very good. You're biased though. I am not biased. You've had other people read parts of it and they said it, it's okay, good. Okay. Well, I also read watched all of Fuller House, so four people think I'm great. That's what I did last <laughs> so week. So Fuller House means your taste is suspect. My taste is suspect. I watched the entire thing last Saturday while writing. And I loved it. I know it's problematic, it's terrible, but I loved it anyway. Shut that up. Bollywood scene was so I grew up in the eighties and the nineties. It was my favorite show. I'm sorry. I not we, we can forgive you. <laughs> we can forgive you. And we're gonna get a second season. But again, just one more reminder, the Tashi Station book club. Yes, we've already uh, started discussing Ancillary Justice a little bit. So, um, And I know a lot of people have already read it. So if you've read it and you want to just come discuss it anyway, yeah, you can go join ahead the book club. You we don't have to read the book during the month to have to discuss yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, we, have... we chose this book in particular because it was one that a lot of people read so we yeah. could get the book club off the ground. So yes. if you've read this already, or even if you haven't, go grab a copy, read it. Or if you've read it, come join the book club. Come discuss it with us. Our goal is every one to two months, we're going to pick up a new book mm -hmm. by a women minority LGBTQ plus writer. Yeah. Uh, that's in the science fiction fantasy genre, like we said. Um, and we're going to discuss it. We're going to have a good time with it. Once a month, we're going to do a 30... Nancy and I will do a 30-minute sort of podcast recap. This will be a... Uh, this will go into the Tashi Station mega feed. Yeah. And um, it it'll be fun. And um, I think I picked um, what our next book is going to be. Um, oh, what is it? Um, well, we I did a poll last month for the book, for the pick, and Ancillary Justice and Carry On got the same number of votes. Carry On by Rainbow Roll. So I think um, that's going to be the next one. Okay. And also it works because it's, it's fantasy instead of sci-fi. Yeah. So it's kind of, you know. It's very meta-fantasy. Yes. But you know, it's a different so, it's a different type of book, so I yeah. figured, you know. Uh Carry On is a book that if even if you're not a fantasy fan, if you are a genre fan mm -hmm. and you know what it's like to be in fandom, yes. you'll appreciate the book. Yes. Uh let's see. Uh, anything else you've been up to? Uh I think that's it. Yeah, me, I've been playing a lot of Battlefront late at night. You have late at night? Well. <laughs> late in the day. What have you been doing after I've been going to sleep? Late in the day. <laughs> yeah. Uh oh, what else? I had something else I wanted to say. I've forgotten. You have been reading the expanse? I have been reading the expanse, that's right. Um I'm almost done with the second book, uh, Caliban's War. Um yeah. Yeah, the second book I mean, I really liked the first book. Mm -hmm. The first book was very lacking in diversity though. Yeah. And I think people had pointed that out to James S.A. Corey, uh, Ty Frank, and Daniel Abraham. Mm -hmm. And uh, they addressed that in the second book. And my favorite character, if you've watched the TV series, um, Christian Avasalara, the uh, older Indian woman who works in the UN, mm -hmm. she's my absolute favorite character really? in this book. Well, I mean, she's pretty good on the show. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I mean... She's badass, and she's delightfully vulgar. Yeah. Uh, oh, really? Oh, yeah. In this yeah. book, she is hilariously oh. vulgar. Man, I wish they had done that on the show. It kind of uh, upsets if, me. If it was on HBO, they could have done it. Uh, yeah. She, I, I swear, she drops an F-bomb every other paragraph. It's great. Damn. <laughs> no, she's she's awesome. The book is great. Um, I'll be putting the series aside for a bit uh, after I get done with this so I can read Ancillary Justice, but... um. If you're looking for fun, rollicking, just really well put together space opera, mm -hmm. The Expanse is the series you want to read. I will probably end up reading it eventually. It's but. it's so so good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had something else I really wanted to talk about, but I forgot. Dang it! What was it about? I can't remember. Video games. 
I I don't think so. No movies. No TV. No books. No. Uh, something we did. It might have been, but I our hammock. Yeah, we bought a hammock, but I don't think that's either here or there. I don't know. This oh, is... oh, right, right. I've got some housekeeping stuff for listeners. Oh, okay. Um, So if you're listening to this show now, chances are you're subscribed to the original Tashi Station Radio it- or feed on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. That is now the Tashi Station Radio Master Feed that contains every episode of every show we have Tashi Station Radio will be getting its own dedicated feed in a couple of days of Dyson Droids now has its own dedicated feed you can subscribe to um, and while I can't give you specifics now we're in the process of launching something very cool that will be getting its own feed and will be appearing on the uh, Tashi Station Radio mega feed Nancy was sitting in while I was talking through this project with a couple of folks. And I I think you can agree with me that um, this new project is very, very cool. Yes. Yes, it is. That's your teaser. (laughs) It will be coming in your feeds very, very soon. Yes. Yes, it will. So be excited. (laughs) We're very lucky to have this project coming. And I can't wait to tell you more. I've been... Just waiting to gush about this for a week. But you can't. I can't. <laughs> I can't. I'm leaving it to other people to gush about. Yeah. But you will love it, I promise you. Yep. That's like announcing an announcement, and I'm very sorry. It is announcing an announcement. Way to go. I Teasing know, but it, you're going to love it. I promise. You will love it. It's going to be great. Okay. It's going to be huge. Oh, shut up. <laughs> go away. Okay. Hey, Nancy, what's new on the blog? Uh, we have um, our comic reviews, as per usual. Uh, this week, we've got Darth Vader number 17 and Kanan number 11. Um, we also released episode three of, of Dice and Droids last week. And uh, as a teaser, mm-hmm. Nancy blew up an entire cantina. I blew up an entire cantina. And that's um, not the most exciting thing that happened on the no, episode. the exciting thing is that Brian made friends with Malakili, the Rancor Keeper. <laughs> but for context, you're going to have to listen <laughs> to a Dyson Droids episode three. Yes. It was very fun, and I am very excited to, uh, to play again. Now, you actually wrote a blog post on your personal blog yes. this week about of Dyson Droids and tabletop gaming. Yes. So what have you discovered? Uh... I mean, it's not really just, it's just, you know, the first time I didn't really know what I was doing. I kind of sat back and just let the game happen. And then I was like, you know, it's not as exciting when you do that. So I decided I was going to make stuff happen, even if it was terrible. Um, But you originally agreed to this because Tom and I had had talked you into it. Yes. By saying, you know. There are a lot of writers any... out there who grew their craft yeah. by playing tabletop games. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you it teaches you a lot about character, agency, and, you know, developing characters and kind of creating the, in less, for me, less about stats, which is a lot of people, they like to have a character sheet with all the stats and more of, for me, it's more personality. Like, what are, what are the quirks that this character has to make them interesting? Like, for example, Jay being, you know, having fancy hats and stuff. and Highfalutin, yeah. fancy hat, Coruscant-y guy. Yeah. Me, the hero, the, the guy that wants to be a hero but fails miserably. Yeah, that sort of thing. So, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to, you know, figure out what angle I want to approach. But And also the thing is, you know, you got to make choices and have your characters do things. And it's the same thing with um, Berear, the book I talked about, where it's it's only from one point of view, this character, Cordelia. Um, it's third person, not first person, which I prefer. Um, and it's, you know, a lot of the book I've spent thinking, I like the book, obviously, and I like the character, but she's not, she doesn't seem like the main character. Like, she's not the most important person in what's, in what's going on. But then, towards the end, she takes control of her own destiny and, you know, kicks ass. And I'm like... Okay, you know, I, I I get it now. 
So, so b- between that book and listening to our other group, the mercenary group, yeah. which consists of um, Saf, Show, and Jay, you-, you developed a little bit of an idea of what you wanted to do with your character, and you seem to have a, a lot of fun yeah. on this last episode. Yeah. Yeah, I did. We all did. It was super fun. Oh, my. That was one of the best two hours I've ever spent. Wow, that's high praise. <laughs> Makes me feel bad about myself. Yeah, you were there with me. Okay. <laughs> uh, so what else have we got going on? Um, well, we have, so go ahead and watch that. We've also uh, reviewed The Honorable Ones. And you have a review for the last episode that'll be coming out soon. Yes, I haven't done it yet because it was a very intense episode and i needed to process i need to process all my thoughts but um i you know i thought we we haven't really talked about rebels a lot this season and we seem to be at a good point yeah to do a little bit of a recap yeah so like rebels is hard for me this season because there weren't any episodes that i could really say that was terrible but i also couldn't really sit you down and tell you what happened this season it feels this season has felt really disjointed. Yeah. Like, other than, okay, well, they left Lethal and they joined up with the rest of the Rebel Cell, and Hera is in charge of Phoenix Squadron, and um, Ezra found out his parents are dead, and it's it's kind of like a event, 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 you know? Um, this happened, and then this happened, and then yeah. this happened. Yeah, and it's there's no it doesn't seem to be an overarching thread so far. Like I think the overarching thread is trying to find a base, um, which but keeps it hasn't going been terribly super wrong. Explicit. Yeah, and I mean that's fine. I mean I I have a feeling once the season ends, it might tie them together. But I think for me, I think Rebels is a show that benefits from having a shorter more condensed well, season I'm, I'm not even sure if it needs to be shorter but with the smaller cast rebels has as opposed to the clone wars it definitely definitely could afford to be more cohesive and i said this in my review of the honorable ones rebels is a show that should be more whedon-esque or chris carter-esque mm-hmm. where there's this overarching plot that's going on through the season yeah. where the bulk of the episodes tie into that arc and every couple of episodes you have the quote monster of the week yeah. episode um, that you can use to break up and give some levity to things but every episode this season has felt like a monster of the week yeah. episode yeah yeah it's, it's that's I, I agree but um I I, like I said, there weren't any, there aren't really been episodes I consider really bad. Um, I mean, they've all been great on yeah, their own merits. I would, I would like, though, if, if they're going to do a longer season, I wish they'd had more arcs. Like, Clone Wars had yeah. three episode arcs, four episode arcs all the time. The, and I wish. I mean, the problem with the Clone Wars were the arcs were disjointed. Yeah. But, like, Rebels, you Rebel, know, Rebels. there have been some episodes where I feel like it should have been. A two-parter. Yeah. You know, it, there was too much going but, on. I like, mean, with the smaller cast of Rebels, uh-huh. they're, it affords a lot more cohesion. Yeah. And they're not taking advantage of the fact that they have a smaller cast. Yeah, and I keep thinking of, like, the last few episodes of last season. Like, the last three episodes were just, like, one big arc. And starting when Tarkin showed up. So, and wouldn't it be like, wouldn't it be great if Rebels had like a three episode three or four episode arc, Monster of the Week, three or four episode arc, Monster of the Week. Yeah. I mean, they they don't have to do arcs all the time. It's just some shows I feel some episodes I feel like that could have been a two-parter. You yeah. know, like if, the one about the one the honorable ones, I felt could have been a two-parter. Yeah. Because there was so much condensed into it and it's like I wanted more of exploration of Zeb and Callus and giving them a chance to... And it was a case where, okay, I mean, it's a good episode on its own, but it kind of came out of left field. What if they had spent the entire season building up this Callus having questions about the Empire motif? Right. And then having that culminate in uh, the Honorable Ones. Yeah. But I am looking forward to seeing what happens. I know, you know, the, the teases they've been giving for the rest of the season definitely seem good. So it's not like, you know, I don't like the show. It's just I feel like it needs 
it's a good show, yeah. but I f- it's not realizing perhaps its maximum potential. Yeah. Plus, season one was just so good that it's really hard to live up to that. <laughs> season one, and also like I f- also a lot of the the Jedi episodes kind of make me lose interest, and I know that's a lot of for for you and me. It's because. Yes, was the least interesting character on the show. Yeah, and I know a lot of people like Ezra, and, or they like you know Jedi stuff, and that's fine. Like, but I I hope they don't forget the rest of the characters on the show. You know, like so far they haven't, and they do a really good job of giving you Hera episodes or Sabine episodes or Zeb episodes. But like the the thing that bothers me is even in those episodes they have to have. As we're learning some sort of lesson, yeah, you know, and, and it's like, okay, we get it. Let us do this show first and then do a show like Shroud of Darkness. Pe- people say that, well, it's impossible to be more overall whole cast focused mm-hmm. in a 22 minute animated show. But Greg Weissman, um, who's the other guy? Young Justice worked on it. Simon Kimberg? No. Uh, uh, he did the Kanan comics. Greg Wiseman. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you just said his name. <laughs> Greg Wiseman, Dave Filoni, sorry. They've worked on, like, Young Justice. They've worked on Avatar, mm-hmm. two animated series that were great in crafting these big, long arcs mm-hmm. for this this really focused cast of characters that didn't feel, like, really super segmented. So we know that the people doing the show can do that. So something's just kind of missing there. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. So, I mean, and don't take this to be that we don't like Rebels. We really like Rebels. Yeah. Uh-huh. The first season of Rebels is one of the best collections of Star Wars anything that's out there. Right. It's just, God, it could be, it could be so much more than it is. It's good, but it could be even better. Mm-hmm. Yep, agreed. So is that our Rebels talk? I think so, yeah. Okay, and great. Well, what are you looking forward to more for this season? Rest of the season? Mm-hmm. I have to be honest. I'm not looking too f- too forward to the rest of the season because we're getting into what it looks like a lot of Jedi stuff. Mm-hmm. And by extension, that means a lot of Ezra stuff. Yes, but it's a lot of uh, Soka stuff also. It is, but chances are... Ahsoka is not the focus here. It's going to be Ezra, and <sighs> I'm sorry, I'm just not that interested in Ezra. Ah, uh, what has he ever done to you? Nothing. I mean, <laughs> no. Ahsoka but... became a lot more interesting, a lot faster. Yeah. Than Ezra did. Well, I I liked Ezra a lot. It's it's not that I don't like Ezra. It's just that I feel like they they pay too much attention to him, and I know he that's because he's the main character, but. I like, you know, Hera and Kanan way better. <laughs> How interesting would the show be, though, if they split focus evenly between Ezra and Sabine? Very interesting. Well, I mean, and it's not even like I say the Jedi stuff, because I liked the last episode a lot. Yeah, there was, and great, I there like, was some great lore there. And I like Kanan. You know, I like Kanan a lot, and I want to see his story and see what he's doing. It just seems like... I think it's because... Sometimes it takes the kid show approach, which is do they have to teach a lesson or like that Ezra has to be right all the time and like be like, oh, no, Hera, you have to understand these space whales. And it kind of gets like I'm remembering the episode with Sabine and Hera when Sabine wanted Hera to trust her and tell her what was going on. And Hera was like, no, I can't tell you if that had been Ezra. He would have made Hera tell her and like then he would have been right about everything. But instead it was just they were very mature with each other yeah. and, and Hera was like, no, I can't tell you, but I do trust and you. This is what drives me nuts because so many of his people also worked, like I said, on Avatar The Last Be- Airbender and Legend of Korra. And on those shows, they let the main protagonists, Aang and... Uh, and Korra be wrong. Mm-hmm. And there were huge consequences for the rest of the season yeah. when those characters were wrong. Yep. That's not being afforded to Ezra. And because of that, it makes Ezra kind of boring. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. Yep. We should probably move on before we get hate mail. Yep. <laughs>
Uh, let's see. Deke's Dirt, uh, news from around fandom. Uh, CBR has an interview from Charles Sewell and Phil Noto about Poe Dameron. And it made me really excited. I I am so excited for this it's comic. It's like 70s, like sort of sci-fi pulp ideas and the the main protagonist seems very very cool um i i'm very excited the antagonist you mean yeah the main well i mean well the protagonist sounds really cool yeah, too. the protagonist also awesome <laughs> did you see that cover with uh bb8 poe dameron um nia yes. num and uh Jess Pava. Jess Pava yes. on the cover. I'm so excited. And they, I also am very excited because they said, you know, they do have, there are going to have his other, you know, his co-pilots in there. So we'll get to see, we'll get to see them. That's going to be great. Yes, definitely. Um, what else? We've got, oh, the and uh, also in comic news, uh, they announced the new uh, miniseries that's happening this summer uh, will be about Han Solo and uh, it's by Marjorie Liu, uh, who a lot of people like as an artist. And I believe this is the first female comic writer Marvel has. You are correct uh, for the Star Wars. For the uh, yeah. for the Star well, Wars brand. That's yeah. Um, Marjorie Liu is awesome. Mm-hmm. Absolutely freaking awesome. Yeah. I just wish that this was an old man Han Solo I book. I know, like. And I, mean, I feel how, ba- would, how great would a mini arc be of Han on the Raftar caption? Yeah, like I feel bad because like I always feel bad when I'm very mad about Star Wars things. But like if there's things I'm always mad about, it's it's video games and comics. Some comics I, I get excited about, like Poe Dameron, but it's very much a subject, you know, th- subject thing for me. Like Shattered Empire was post Return of the Jedi, so therefore I liked it. But like after A New Hope, I get kind of bored now. Um, the the haunt the Star Wars comic is telling that story. Uh, so the the first strike is okay. We're between after, yeah. A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back again. Yes. How much more can we mine out of this? Yeah, and I mean, it's not saying I can't like those stories because I loved Weapon of a Jedi and I I really liked Smuggler's Run way more than I thought I would. But at the same time, it's like, okay, we have Smuggler's Run. <laughs> so although now- those were in different mediums too, it right. was New Reader. Yeah, and and that's the thing is like I you know books for me I like I I'm not a fan of comics. But so how many adult novels and comics have we had set between A, a New lot. Hope and Empire Strikes Back? A lot. And how many about Han Solo? And now especially because we're having a a comic book about him. He's in the Star Wars comic. He's you know gonna have a movie. So it's kind of like all right, I got it. We all like Han Solo. I mean Marjorie. <sighs> A, a a very jaded part of me thinks that Marjorie Lewis being wasted on this particular comic, but I know it's going to be good because it's Marjorie Lou. Marjorie yeah. Lou is a fantastic comic writer. Well, I I you know, just because of that, this this mini arc is probably going to define my expectations and be amazing. I decided to be pos- to take a positive approach to this and think if this does well. And people like it. Hopefully, they will use her for another comic. Yes. So go buy this because we want to keep Marjorie Lou <laughs> around because Marjorie Lou again is amazing. I would like her to write about a Jespava, or another Princess Leia mini, yeah, or another Princess Leia mini, or any of the other myriad of female characters. Mm-hmm. Let's have a Mon Mothma comic. Yes, <laughs> I'd read it. Yeah. <laughs> or a Nora Wexley comic. Ah, oh, yes. Mm. Or more Sharabay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> super excited for Marjorie Lou writing this. Less excited for Han Solo in this particular era, but you know what? It's Marjorie Lou. It's probably gonna be good. Yes. So there you go. Yep. Uh oh, I'm gonna let you take this next one. Oh, are you? Yes, I am. <laughs> All right. Well, uh each uh the earnings call the disney earnings call happened this past week and the disney earnings call is for disney when you hear about exciting new crap yes so bob Iger got on the phone and talked about all these great things that are happening at disney and the first one is that star wars themed lands will break ground next month at both both disneyland and hollywood studios which means that hollywood studios will be a barren wasteland it will starting soon 
but it will be great when it's done. Uh, and the second one, second little piece of news. Well, there's another piece of news, but it's in the next segment. But um, uh, in news relevant to our interests and probably no one else's, um, the Disney Cruise Line is getting two new ships, uh, one launching in 2021 and one launching in 2023. Which means two new ships for potential Star Wars at sea. Yay! And just, you know, more more cruising in general. Tashi Station Radio has been brought to you in part by Disney Cruise Line. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Me too. Jeez. <laughs> I, I have no qualms about selling out to go on a Disney I, cruise. Yeah, I will sell out for DCL. <laughs> I would totally sell out for DCL. Yes. Uh, okay, yeah, so um, Star Wars Land. Breaking mm-hmm. ground next month. But you're probably not going to be able to see anything for another four or five years. Yeah. That's the way it goes with these uh, with these theme park yeah, uh, constructions. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens first. Star Wars Land opens, or the first Disney Cruise Line ship opens. I got a feeling. <laughs> I got a feeling it's going to be Star Wars Land because I think they're going to fast track. It. I hope so. And a lot of people were complaining about why is it taking them so long to build the ships? Because the shipyards are booked. For a long time. So they basically have to put in their order and saying, all right, we need you to build a ship for us. But yeah, um, I, I do think that Star Wars Land will happen a whole lot faster than Avatar Land at Animal Kingdom. Will. God, I hope so. Because no one at Disney ever seemed super committed mm-hmm. to Pandora. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so be excited about that. Um, moving on. I mean, this is fan to me, not exactly Star Wars fan to me, but there was a Ghostbusters trailer. Yes, there was. And it made me very happy. It so w- I, I have I have to confess something. Mm-hmm. Before Star Wars fandom for me, mm-hmm. there was Ghostbusters. Yeah. Ghostbusters was my jam. Yeah. And oh my God, I am so excited for this movie. <laughs> Four of the funniest ladies in comedy are doing Ghostbusters, and I could not be more thrilled. But of course, men be sexist. Men do be sexist. Care to elaborate? No, I want you to elaborate because you're a man, and I'll just be seen so, yeah, as a man hating. There are a lot of dudes out there who think that uh, this new Ghostbusters film can't be funny because it's a lot of it's uh, a bunch of ladies and Paul Feig who directs films like Bridesmaids. And spy. Mm-hmm. So, to you people, I say, screw you for thinking that uh, women are not capable of being as funny as the likes of Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, and Harold Ramis. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they clearly are. I mean, and this film has the Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd stamp of approval. So, again, screw you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Big! bullshit uh star wars film news uh the force awakens will be available for digital download on disney anywhere starting on april 1st and released on blu-ray combo pack starting april 5th and one of the things it's going to feature a full-length documentary yay i'm excited about this so you and i have already decided we're spending that weekend it at home Yes. In our pajamas. Yes. Watching TFA and the documentary on repeat. Yes. Uh, Definitely. I am so looking forward to this. Me too. It's going to be amazing. I'm so looking forward to the the documentary. Uh, If any of you remember the beginning documentary, which was on the Phantom Menace uh, DVD, it it was amazing. And I hope the TFA one is half as good. because that will be fantastic. And I'm looking forward to the deleted scenes. And also, the there's a feature called The Table Read, which is where they talk about the table read that happened. But I'm kind of disappointed that it's not the actual Just a recording table of the table read. read. Yeah, I want the actual table read there. Because Mark Hamill did all the yeah, narration. Because the- <laughs> he had from nothing the sounds else of it, to do. Uh- Mark Hamill played uh, the Tim Conroy role where he just uh, did all the narr- narration. Yes. Tim Conroy, the uh, voice of Batman in the animated series, which was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm very much looking forward to that. It's coming. Yeah. Of course, there are freaking ex- retailer exclusive 
Mm-hmm. Crap. I, is that just the covers? I No, they have other things in there. Like Target has an additional 20 minutes of stuff, which is it's so dumb. It's, Why? It's going to get online anyway. Like, like it's not going to be up on YouTube within a day. It's so dumb. <sighs> but why? I don't know. Retailer exclusive extra footage is just so stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give it to everyone, no matter where they buy it. Just make the difference like the packaging. Yeah. Come on. Right. Uh, the Force Awakens at the Oscars. Yes. Uh, it was nominated for five awards. And won none. Unfortunately, it did not win any. Um, but that's okay, because there was a bunch of stuff at the Oscars. Uh, Daisy Ridley and J.J. Abrams presented awards. Um, the droids came on stage and introduced John Williams, I believe. Uh, there were lots of Star Wars clips. Um, and yeah, Daisy Ridley looked very pretty. Um, she looked... That's that's about it. Star Wars okay. Thing. Now, Star Wars fans, stop freaking out. <laughs> we have to be honest here. Mad Max Fury Road is a film of a generation. Yeah. The Force Awakens was amazing. Yeah. But Mad Max... <laughs> That was a film of a lifetime, Mm -hmm. and it deserved every award it got. Yes. In a year where Fury Road isn't out there, The Force Awakens takes some hardware home. So it's okay. It's totally okay. Yes, it is. Uh, Speaking of Daisy Ridley Ridley and uh, news that uh, your mother would appreciate, Nancy. Yes. Daisy Ridley uh, recorded a duet with Barbara Streisand. (laughs) Random, but apparently she did. Yeah. We'll find out more later. I yeah, I, I mean she's a she's a really good singer, so you know it's not surprising. Uh, we'll see what 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 exactly uh, occurred between them all. Uh, so she also did an interview with MTV mm-hmm. that I will let you speak to. <laughs> Me? <laughs> yes. You. Okay. Well, so she did an interview with Entertainment Weekly where she talked about filming episode eight or, you know, she kind of implied that there was going to be less secrecy going on, Um, you know, that Ryan Johnson likes to tease fans a little bit more than JJ did, which is kind of funny because JJ did a lot, too. Um, So she mention oh i'm sorry that was entertainment weekly one but that we can talk that one too but um so the one with mtv she talked about basically how implying that the they are starting episode eight where episode seven left off kind of sort of yeah i mean so the, the kind of danced around it well what we saw on that production video apparently is Film, you know, it, it it's footage from... It's a recreation yeah. of the last shot of Which PFA. will make canon people go nuts, because which is real if it's two different shots of the same scene. I mean, okay, canon people, this isn't like Back to the Future 2 where they reshot it. <laughs> because, they'll, because the uh, love interest left. <laughs> no, and uh, well, they also reshot the end of the movie when Marty comes running up. <laughs> yes, true. <laughs> Um, so a lot of people have, you know, theorized and say, oh, this confirms the movie is starting exactly where it, you know, left off. And while I have no doubt that the first scene we see with Ray and Luke is going to be right exactly where that ends off. I don't know if it's necessarily going to start the movie there or bypass the crawl or anything. So. I got $10 I'll put down on exactly how this is going to play Let's out. go. So, Star Destroyer flies overhead. Mm-hmm. Probe droids fly out, a la Empire Strikes Back. Uh-huh. And then we cut to that recreated scene. Uh-huh. And then Daisy Ridley wakes up. Or it's a flashback of her in during training. Yeah. Well, a flashback in a dream. Daisy Ridley wakes up and goes back to training. And then... And then she he calls her his daughter right away so everyone can be like you trolled us for 2 years tell us no, in the, the first troll 5 would, seconds the troll would be just writing Ray Skywalker in the crawl <laughs> but, but yeah that would 
I would laugh about that. I'd laugh hysterically. Yeah. So now, but the, so the Entertainment Weekly interview um, kind of put the nail in the coffin in the Ray Solo theories. I mean, it was hanging by a thread before this, but now it's really dead. But apparently, you know, Daisy said something, they asked her, like, what was her, what did she think was... The, the presumptions people made and the assumptions about the movie. And she said how everyone's saying, you know, that, oh, you're Han Solo's daughter. And she'd be like, how do you know? Have you seen the movie? And then, like, she's, like, laughing. She's like, you know, cause, and then she's like, obviously I wasn't. And, you know, continue on talking. So it was like, oh, oh, oh. Because I listened to it the first time. I'm like, but I think that can be interpreted as her just saying, how do people know this? Not that it's not true. And then I heard the obviously I wasn't. And I was like, oh. oh. So, but I mean, there is a possibility that she could just be saying that, you know, she wasn't as far as the character knew she was Han Solo's daughter. Like yeah, she wasn't, like she wasn't, had she hadn't been raised by him or anything. L- l- let's be honest here. If she was a solo and mm-hmm. it wasn't acknowledged before Han got a lightsaber through his chest. Spoilers. Oh, come on. Spoiler <laughs> moratorium's up now. If that wasn't acknowledged to Ray before, then that's a horrible thing to do. I know, but I'm just, I don't want to say everything, anything is set in stone because, I mean, we all know how Star Wars is. If you would ask Mark Hamill after A New Hope if Darth Vader was his father, Luke's father, he would have said no. So they can always change their minds, and that's why, you know, I'm not going around saying, well, I, that, you know, obviously she's Luke's kid, because they can take that away from me. If- they can take that away from you, but let's be honest, definitely not Hans. Ray, I don't care as long as she's not Kenobi. Which would be the actual worst. <laughs> yeah. Actual worst. Yeah. Uh, Dubrovnik set picks. Yeah. They're awesomely neon. Mm-hmm. You don't need us to tell you anything about them because chances are you've already seen them. Yeah. I mean, it it looks very sci-fi and it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. So just as an aside. A continuation of the more real world filming. Yeah. Just as an aside, are you more concerned about spoilers this time around? Less. Yeah, me too. I mean, I'm not. And I go- have a feeling Lucasfilm is less concerned. I'm this not time. going off like I don't want to know like yeah, what I'm, happens. I'm in not the movie. going out and seeking them. But if I stumble across them, I'm not going to get yeah. nearly as upset as I did well, than I with episode seven. It's not even that. Like I, I kind of want to know. Okay, like okay, they're filming in Dubrovnik. What are they doing there? Like I kind like I'm more interested about who's filming there. Like whereas before, like I didn't want to know who was filming where. Like it was bad enough that I knew Daisy Ridley and Mark Hamill were on Skelly Michael because I'm like, now I know something was going to happen. But now I'm just kind of like a little more go with the flow and because I. You know, and I'm not like I said, I'm not going out searching to see what happens, but like I do want to know more of what's happening in the movie before I go see it. Yeah, and I think we're gonna get it this time because they're less concerned with restarting the franchise after a twelve, thirteen year layoff. Yeah, and I mean we know what the state of the galaxy is now, so it's not like a big a big surprise. So I I I bet we're gonna know more this time going into it than we did in the TFA. Yeah. Also, Mark Hamill said something when he was at Cambridge. He did a speech at Cambridge, and they were he's talking about Daisy Ridley, and she said, "Yeah, she's my daughter's age." So that you know, that's her and my daughter are the same age. So that's how I relate to her. And people were like, oh! "Like he just spoiled huge that Ray is Luke's daughter," and he's like, "Oh come on, guys! I meant that's how I, a person, relate to her." <laughs> and they're all like, ooh. And he, Scandalous. He, he, he tweeted about it. And he's like, guys, I have a lot of experience, you know, with the spoiler thing. I mean, Mark Hamill is the person who kept secret, the biggest secret ever to keep in yeah. film history. It, yeah. they No one found out Obi-Wan was Luke's father. Cause, or not Obi-Wan was Luke's father. Obi-Wan. <laughs> but that's because that's what they said. Obi-Wan killed your father. But no one found out that it was, you know actually Darth Vader because of Mark Hamill. Mara's barking in her sleep, everyone. 
growl. Wow, that's oh, really. I don't know if I've ever heard her, heard her growl in her sleep. It's <laughs> very impressive. That is okay. Um, but yeah, so he was like, "Oh, come on, you guys." So yeah, you know, I, I'm pretty sure he can he can hide. He can keep a secret. Well. Yeah. yeah. And so, but if I mean, and obviously that's the way he's going to relate to her because he's a human being and she's the same age as his daughter. So of course he's going to think of her that way. Makes sense. Yeah, right. All right, Cammy's concerns. We're finally looking at the diversity in The Force Awakens. What? We talk about diversity? I know. Crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we've already gone 45 minutes, so we might not have as much time for this <laughs> as we wanted. Oh, what? Oh. But, um, yeah, so we talked a lot about The Force Awakens and, you know, broken it down as far as, you know, just general, general things about it. And we've talked about the diversity, but... Um, I wanted to go back and talk about it in depth and more specifically. Um, so obviously, right off the bat, we've got Ray and Finn as the main characters, which you know, and and Poe as you know one of the main trio. So none of them are white men, which is very, very cool as diversity wise. Um. And that just in and of itself would be very cool. Um, there were more women cast in the movie later on after people were annoyed about just Ray. Not only in lead roles, but in background roles. Yeah. And we've got, you know, Captain Phasma as a female stormtrooper captain, which is very awesome. Um, I I keep saying I'm gonna write an, I need to write an article about why she didn't have to take her helmet off, and I never do it so i'll just talk about it now she didn't need to take her helmet off there is no reason for captain phasma to have ever taken her helmet off unless she's forced to and why would you want her to be forced to do that because i mean that means she's been overpowered and she already was enough in that movie um so i mean she tells finn who gave you permission to remove that helmet so why would she do it just to show she's a woman? She doesn't need to show she's a woman. You can hear that. Um, and they call her her, so it's not necessary. Yeah, it's acknowledged. Yeah. So you've you've got all that, um, which obviously, you know, we don't have to say much about it. Like, that, you know, we've talked about Rey ad nauseum, how amazing it is that she's a female character, a female Jedi. Um, we've talked about Finn and... How, you know, people calling him a janitor is really shitty and should stop doing that. And how he's the most brave character in the movie by far. Um, but one of the things I loved about the movie, too, was that they didn't forget about diversity in the background. Um, the first time they were on the bridge of the finalizer and we saw female officer like i i think i pointed out to you the first time we saw the movie every yep. time there was a female officer on screen i was like female officer brian look female officer look brian is a female officer and i was just so excited because i was like you you never saw them in the original trilogy you don't see them in rebels and it's like wow look oh my god there's female officers and they're not treating them any differently and they're and then the one lady who uh the goes on badlands lady that's who i call her i i love her and i would cosplay her as her if i could <laughs> um but it was just like wow look at all the women in the background and then there's the female stormtrooper in star killer base who reports to Kylo ren and i was just like oh like it's not just phasma it's a female stormtrooper so you can infer that there are other female stormtroopers in the ranks as well um and just like you know in the i counted how many women talk in the movie and it's like 15 or 16, which doesn't seem like a lot. But when you compare it, it to the, the other... number of the women who talk in the prequel trilogies yes. put together. Yes. And obviously and blew the original... away the original yeah. trilogy. So that's amazing. You know, it's that's I think a lot of people forget about that with diversity and why like Rogue One is kind of I'm, uh, like I want I hope they do better than what it looks like. But if it just, I mean, if Felicity Jones is the main character and it's that's a step it, back. It's, it's a like, big step back. It's just like Leia. And like, no, today in today's, you know, environment, a character like Leia and 
is not good enough, you know? she. It isn't 1977 anymore. Yeah, and it's, I'm not saying Leia as herself isn't good enough because she is. I'm saying- She, she is, but we're also looking at this- You need more than that now. We're, we're also looking at this in the context of now versus 1977. Yes. 1977, having a character like Leia, hugely, 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 hugely progressive. It's not anymore. And that is the bare minimum. Yeah. And especially expectation now. And especially after you have a movie like The Force Awakens where you've got all the yeah. characters in the background. And, you know, even not just first order officers, but you've got all the resistance fighters. You know, all of the diversity in the resistance is great, both women and and people of color. There are women of color in the in there that who talk. One of them uh, is, you know, reports to Leia at one point in time. Um, but you've also, you know, you see in the, you, that briefing scene in the resistance. And if you pan through it. It's, they're all diverse. It's like, I'm like, oh. You've got minorities. You've got women in there. Yeah. I'm like, it's, I'm like, there. well, and there's. um, that, It's the background diversity, which is awesome because you, there hasn't been a pan like that. No. In Star Wars before where you see. The number of women there, yeah. the number of minorities there, and, and you've got Admiral uh, Shatura, I think Yep, Admiral Shatura, Ken Long, Ken Leong, mm-hmm. and you've got the the other the first. I can't. I don't know her name. I think she has a name. The first order officer that reports, it, or not first order, the resistance officer who says, you know, their weapon will fire in two minutes. I, I know who you're talking about. I'm totally <laughs> blanking that lady. And then you just you look in the background. I'm like, oh, there is. A black man. There's an Asian man, like another Asian man besides mm-hmm. Admiral Shatara. And when, when they're outside of the base, yeah. and you see pilots running through, yeah. you've got women running. Oh, through. you've got a lot more yeah. women than what you see, like than just just Pava. Um, so I was just like, look at it. I'm like, it's it looks like real life. Yeah, it does. And but even so, like and. There's I I the one thing I would I did complain about was in the Huck speech shot. It's hard to see because it's close up on him and mm-hmm. far away on everyone else. There is one of the officers I noticed he is black, but I couldn't tell like I it wasn't close enough to see the other ones if there were any women or anything. That there. might have been subtle commentary, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean I would have liked to see a little more diversity in that scene in particular. But you know, just going, so at a first glance, it's like this movie does a lot better, you know, than it, it, it blows every other Star Wars film out right. of the water and this is, it's, when it comes to diversity. It's modern Star Wars. This is what it should and be. And it's why The Force Awakens is my personal favorite Star Wars film. It's Star Wars with modern diverse yeah. sensibilities. And it's not even just the diversity itself. That's just one part of it. It's just this, the story, too. Yeah is modern you know but there is room for improvement there is and essentially we're asking now what can episode eight do that episode seven didn't and i would just start with explicit yeah representation yeah explicitly saying this person is gay yeah this person is trans Mm mm-hmm that's where episode eight can really improve on episode seven. Episode yeah. seven is far and away the most diverse Star Wars movie, Star Wars property ever. Yeah. Episode I, eight can do better. I, one of the things is, although there was a lot of women in the movie and there were a lot of women who talked, like, it's not 50%. No. And it needs to be 50%. And uh, anyone who says, oh, well, that's not realistic. It's like, yes, it is. The women are 50% of the people in the world, and women should be 50% of the people in a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. If you say, well, there's war and blah, blah, It's like, A, boo, you're wrong. Women fight in Star B, Wars. This it's is canon. a science fiction. F- this is a space opera. Also, there's- Where the rule, where your preconceived- rules of how the world works goes out the window also fine you don't want to have more 50 50 woman in the resistance for the first order there's other scenes in the movie where you can have women mm-hmm. um have more women with major roles have more mass Kanata type characters yeah. and i you know we've got uh laura dern mm-hmm. coming in which i is am good. super 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 curious who she's playing yeah well and also i'm, super I'm excited very she's gl- in it i'm also very glad because of the two new characters they announced two new actors they announced one was Laura Dern one was Benicio Del Toro 
So you've so got, we've got a minority one man actor and, one, and a woman. Yeah. Which is female. awesome. Yeah. So if, you know, if it had been like announced five men and then Laura Dern, it'd be like, oh. Here okay. we go again. But so I, I do want to see more women having the larger roles, like, you know, like like a Hux type role and like that sort of thing. And, and- there, there's room for improvement even on what's already there. You give Phasma more to do mm-hmm. in episode eight. Which I'm pretty sure they will. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure you are right there. Yes. Uh, Maz was great in her role, and I hope she does more. Like, I, I would love to see her and Luke having a conversation. Oh, my God, how amazing would that be? Which, I mean, it kind of has to happen, because, you know, if he comes back to the Resistance. I want to see more from the X-Wing pilots, just Pava. The direct hit guy, I forget his name, but he was my favorite. <laughs> ah, direct hit! <laughs> then, um, but yeah, like, it's just, it looks so real, you know, and that's the thing. It's like. This this was the first time I watched Star, Star Wars in episode seven. I'm like, this looks like, this looks like the world. Yeah. And I, and it made me so hopeful because episode eight still has room for improvement, and I have a feeling they're going to do it. Oh, yeah, they will. And uh, there was an interview recently J.J. Abrams gave where talking about uh, gay characters specifically in Star Wars. And there were a lot of clickbait headlines on it, but basically the you just is that he says it's going to happen, and, you know, people just have to deal it's with gonna it. It's going to happen with it, sunglasses, deal with it. Yeah. Um, and not, you know, saying... you. Know, and it's kind of like, okay, well, they could have, you know, done it, you know, but I do think it's good that they're acknowledging that it it will happen. Um, you know, that's it's it's kind of the situation where it's it's tricky to have explicit representation because you're not have you know, you're it's not yeah. And with You're certain, not showing the relationship so much, especially yeah, if there's with no romance. Things you have to come out and just say it, right? Like it, sometimes with a trans character, yeah, you have to come out and just say it. Yeah, with a gay character, sometimes you have to come out and just say it, right? And that's fine. That doesn't take away from the story. It doesn't, but it does. It it. I say this coming as a writer. It's I I. I want to always explicitly say if a character is gay or whatever, but it's sometimes really hard to get it in without si- with sh- without sounding with sounding normal and like without doing a by the way Bob. Yes, as you know, Bob, I'm gay. You know, like, and then it just it just it takes a, all the any, wind out of the if story. Anyone can figure out how to do it. Yeah. It's these amazing Hollywood screenwriters, right? Well, that's where you have like where you have a character remark on some. It's character. a throwaway line to the first order kiz- killed my husband. Yeah, yeah, like ex- like that exactly. You know, talk about well, why does Poe want to fight? Uh, first order killed his husband or boyfriend or whatever. You know, or you just show two characters in the background who are holding hands. You there know? are so many ways to do this yeah. without requiring. And that's the thing a, without requiring a doctoral thesis. Like so many people seem to right. insist has and to happen. And that's the thing. Like if you look at aftermath, there was one character where it was explicitly stated where he just came out and said, I don't like women. And, but there were t- other characters where it was Temin's aunts, you know, and that was just completely glossed over. They, no they explanation needed. They just were. So, you know, you, you can have that where there's two background characters and they're together or two resistance yeah. fighters that are, and it together. always seems to be that the people who want the biggest explanations to justify it are the people who just don't want gay <coughs> characters or trans characters or these minority <coughs> characters in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Some Bear with me here. <laughs> Sometimes a character is gay For no because reason. they're gay. What? And that's it. And that's mm-hmm. fine. And they don't need any other justification for it. And this is the type of situation where it's it might not ever come up in dialogue of the movie. but That's what context is for. It's con- and also it could be something that they discuss in a novelization yeah. where they get more into feelings. Yeah, and, and-, and, and when I say to make it explicit, I don't mean make it explicit by way of a doctoral thesis. Yeah. I mean putting something on the screen... 
That doesn't right. leave ambiguity. Well, and let's talk about Poe, because he's the best candidate for this right now. <laughs> yeah, he really is. So let's say Poe is gay, or bi. Um, and the comic, the Poe Dameron comic, confirms it. I will be happy enough with that, but I know a lot of people won't be. And I agree, if he is gay, and they confirm it in the comic, they should also allude to it in the movie. Yes. Because that would be amazing for representation of LGBT characters. You have a character like Poe Dameron, who is the best pilot in the resistance. He is the Han Solo of this generation, let's be honest. And you have him, uh, you know, express his feelings for Finn. Or not even Finn, just anybody. You know, that's a huge idea. And like, I like shipping Finn and Poe, but I under I, I am more attached to the idea of Poe yeah. being in the LGBTQ spectrum yeah, I don't necessarily, than I am of Poe and Finn. I don't necessarily know if Finn likes Poe. I think Poe likes Finn. And if Poe expresses that and Finn turns him down, that's fine. But we still accomplish something freaking huge. Yeah. You know, people are like, oh, they're, they're going to, I don't want to see them making out, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you don't have to make out. Just say Poe po be like, you know, have you know, have the love triangle be be with Finn as the main Poe character. Be like, yeah, that's cool, buddy, because Poe is the non-ironic nice guy. Poe would Poe would do the Han Solo thing, but be nice about it. I won't get in the way, you know. <laughs> and then Ray, that's okay, buddy. Can I introduce you to like to someone in the squadron, man? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, actually, I like Ray, and Poe's like, oh no, man, she's not interested. She's got Jedi stuff for him. <laughs> Uh, and then Finn's like that doesn't mean anything Luke Skywalker saved Vader because of his love she can love me too (laughs) yeah if you say so buddy (laughs) (laughs) but But, yeah episode 8 yeah just put it out there there's no reason especially if Poe and Finn are on a mission together like you know I yeah I mean it would I mean it works Episode 7 did great on putting a bunch of different people on screen. Uh-huh. Episode 8, and I, I think this is what we're getting at. Mm-hmm. Episode 8 can make can take steps forward by acknowledging mm-hmm. things. And if you in- introduce more background characters... Awesome. Have them be... Why not have them be gay? Why not have any of the background characters in Again, The Force Awakens? Follow the aftermath lead. Be gay. Like, follow the aftermath lead, where the yeah. background characters and secondary characters... I mean, what if it comes out that that uh, Admiral Chatura is gay and he's in a relationship with someone in the Resistance? That'd be awesome. It'd be great. Yeah, just show them hanging out. You know, and if that bothers you, that says more about you than it does about the script. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I did want to mention one more thing about J.J. Abrams and Bad Robot in particular. Um, it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bad Robot released a memo oh, right. saying that moving forward, their policy is anyone who is applying or any position, acting, writing, direction, production, yeah, the applicant pool must at minimum reflect the diversity of the U.S. population demographics. That's pretty awesome. That is a that is a policy they're putting into place with definitive, objective, key performance indicators mm-hmm. with numbers that they can back up. And they are putting the pressure on studios, on casting agents, on agents to find people who are from diverse backgrounds and get them applied for these open positions. Yeah. That is awesome. And I applaud uh, Bad Robot for taking really this step, which is objective and which is quantifiable. This isn't some empty, yeah, we're going to work on diversity and make things more diverse. They're, they are actually holding themselves to the fire mm-hmm. to do better. So good job, JJ and Bad Robot. I hope many other production companies take your lead. Yes, agreed. So is that it for uh, our discussion on TFA and diversity? I think so. 
Awesome. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up there. Uh, again, we want to mention we have a shiny new project coming. I believe it's debuting this week. <laughs> Stay tuned to the Tashi Station Radio Mega Feed. Stay tuned to Twitter. You'll find out some news shortly. We have a couple folks coming in to our network we're very excited about. All right, so this episode of Tashi Station Radio has been brought to you in part by Her Universe and you, our Patreon subscribers. Check out the link on Tashi-Station.net for more details. On Twitter, you can find us with the handles Tashi underscore station. That's the official show account. You can find Nancy with Nancy Pants. That's Nancy with an I. You can find me with Lane Winry, L-A-N-E-W-I-N-R-E-E. On Facebook, we're the Tashi Station Network. You can find us on the iTunes Store, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, please do leave a review. It helps us grow the show. Uh, you can find our columns and news at Tashi-Station.net. Thanks for listening to another episode. We'll catch you later this week. Bye. So long. podcast has been brought to you by Majestic Giraffe Productions and is the official podcast of TashiStation.net. All Star Wars names, music, and logos are property of their respective trademark and copyright holders. Tashi Station Radio is not endorsed by Lucasfilm or any division of the company. Now go pick up some power converters. Oh, 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 oh